At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal, develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com all right, boys and girls, once again, welcome to the Bass Kayak and Beers. I got today Josh Eldridge, a.k.a. Trash Panda. Welcome again, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, bud? Thank you. Thank you for coming in. Pretty good, man. Uh, last time you came here, we are talking a little bit about your life and and uh, how you got into kayak fishing and all that. This time, Josh, once again, Trash Panda is here, and we're going to be talking about his podcast, which uh, is the final cast with Brad Hicks. Brad Hicks couldn't join us today. But what we're going to do is, if you don't know their podcast, go check it out. It's every, what is it, Thursdays, right? Yep, yep, every Thursday. Every Thursday morning. It's called The Final Cast, and they do product reviews um, of most of the popular products uh, that's out there on the market. They've had guys from uh, the Z-Man, um, from uh, Torquedo, right? Uh, yep. Recently, you got the guys from the Spot Lock. Yeah, from Motor uh, Guide. We have Shane. Motor Guide. Yep. Yeah, so what we're going to be talking about is not going to review any products, but Josh is here to kind of like have his opinion and my opinion on whether certain products are game changers, which is like the most overused word in kayak fishing, or is it just hype? So we're going to run through a couple of them. Some of them we're just going to come. We already kind of talked about other them. So we'll go, you know, as the show progresses and we see how much time we'll, we'll add a couple of there and there. So anyways, Josh, first product that you want to talk about. Game changer hype. Which one would you pick? Um, As in the product or like something that I think was a game changer? What do Either you one. One of the most popular products. Let's say, let's start off with... Uh, I don't want to leave all. I don't want to start off with all the good ones. I'm going to leave something till the end so people get engaged. But okay. let's start off with like jackhammers. Okay, because that's always like a good um, uh, polarizing subject or yeah. or bait, I should say, where people think some people think it's overpriced, some think people swear by it. Um, what is your thoughts? Game changer or hype? Considering the I think that it is. It was a. I think it was a good, uh, good. I think it was a game changer, but I think it was a game changer in the sense for the chatterbait world itself. Um, mm -hmm. I wasn't a fan of chatterbaits till I threw a jackhammer. Um, I threw them a little bit, but I always kind of felt they were a little on the cheap side. But I did start to be honest, though, and to give them a fair sh shake here is I started out with the original chatterbait, and I never threw another one again until I started uh, throwing a jackhammer. And I just started throwing jackhammers last year. Um, the reason being, though, is I was in a paddle kayak for so long that I rarely, rarely fished lakes. So most of the time, a lot of my fishing was in the rivers. And I just, the chatterbait, I just, I didn't think it was a, the best lure to be throwing in for river smallmouth. Um, last year, once I got a, a paddle or a pedal drive kayak, I started throwing it in the lakes. And I think what sold me on that bait was the ability that those baits had to go through vegetation and come out clean, you know, and cause there's not a lot of hard baits out there that you can throw that come through vegetation. Um, you know, you can't throw anything with treble hooks on it, you know, and that kind of thing. So when, I, and I went somewhere that it was chock full weeds. I mean, the whole place is nothing but vegetation. There was, you know, not very much water in place of, you know, clearings and stuff like that. So 
<clears throat> when I when I threw that chatter bait, I was like, man, this this is a good bait. The more I threw it, I started catching more fish. Um, so I think that it's a I don't know that was a game changer in regards to fishing in general, but definitely it was to its little, you know, subcategory within itself. Like I think it changed a lot of people's views on the chatterbait itself and became much, much, much more popular. Now, do I think that it's worth the money that it is? Yes and no. I mean, so I paying attention to things, especially in the kayak industry and just things in general, anytime that you find something that starts selling well, that price is always going to go up. Um, mm -hmm. So if it's a, a decent product and it sells well, that price is going to get marked up because people tend to buy it no matter what, if they really believe in it. So um, I do think it's, you know, on the overpriced side, I don't think that it's much over. Um, I do, you know, if you pick up some of the other jackhammers out there on the market, you can see, or, you know, the other chatterbaits, like what say within Z-Man, if you look at an original chatterbait versus a, you know, jackhammer, there's a big difference in the quality yeah. of the components there. And um, price. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, a project Z, it, you know, you can see the difference in the components in that it's a better quality, you know, than the original. Um, so overall, like, I think that it's worth it. I just, I still do think that's a little overpriced, but you know, um, it's, it's like that with a lot of stuff. You're going to hear that from me a lot too tonight, by the way. You know, so <laughs> Very politically correct. Yeah. What do you think? Um, I think it's worth it. Uh, there's ways to get them cheaper. Um, I recently started the membership with, um, catch Co which is like you pay $40 and I was like, I'm going to try it. Cause I do run, I do throw the jackhammer a lot and both rivers and lakes. And it has worked great for me. Um, more so than the original, uh, chatterbait or even the nine K lures chatterbait, which I've used and I caught fish before, but, and even the, um, uh, thunder cricket. Yeah. To me, it's worth it because a, the quality of it, it's, it's great quality the craftsmanship on it like you said the, this head design to make it go through um uh debris or you know grass and 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 rip wrap uh without getting hang up as much is it's it, there's there's been thought and quality into that design and that's yeah. going to cost money you know there's a lot of researches you have to do to to make it work in that way and be effective on it it's not just you know, going through that drawing board is a lot of investment on it. There's a lot of like people understand that there's a lot of uh, engineering that goes behind it. Right. Um, the fact that that blade um, starts vibrating no matter how slow or how fast you reel it, as soon as it hit the water, it starts vibrating. Where even some of the um, like the cross eye for Zeman, I'll, I'll say it, it's a piece of crap. I've had the cross eye for Zeman. I tried it to say, well. I don't want to spend so much on a chatterbait. Let me see if there's another chatterbait out there that I can work. And I tried the cross, uh, the Zeman cross eye. That's a piece of crap. Yeah. I don't like it. Sometimes I have to like snap the rod to, in order to get that blade to engage. Um, whereas I don't have that problem with the Zeman um, jackhammer. Plus, and I think um, Fluke Master did a great breakdown video on it on his YouTube channel. And he really does going to things that I didn't know. And it's like the way that head and that blade is attached. And like the difference between that chatterbait and most chatterbaits out there is that the blade is actually hitting the head. And I do have some chatterbaits that I've used for a long time. And you can see on each side of the head where the blade hits, it's all worn out. And that clicking sound and the material that it's used for the head makes a very high pitched sound from what I understand. And I really yeah. do think they do our bass um, to bite more so than any other chatterbait out there. And big bass too. Like I've got some, I mean, my biggest, my personal best is 22 and a quarter or 22 and a half. And I caught it on the jackhammer. Yeah. So I think it's, I think it's a game changer in my opinion. Yeah. I, um, I'm not a hundred percent sure of this cause I can't remember offhand. But for those who have questions about the 
Jackhammer or Chatterbaits in general, please go back in the final cast episode. Um, it was one of the, it might've been the first episode that we did with Glenn Young from Z-Man. And we broke down the whole lineup pretty much of the uh, Chatterbaits that were available at the time. There's a lot of good information there. I don't, you may know this cause I, I can't remember offhand, but I also thought not only was the head a little bit different material, but I thought the blade might be different too. And um, I can't remember though, but the blade material might've been changed as well to help get a different sound that you're talking about from where it's hitting the, the head of the, uh, you know, the lead head part of the uh, bait itself. So, you know, those things do make a big, huge difference. Like I said, like you mentioned about how, how fast that blade starts vibrating. And that's what, that's what I noticed too. That's what kind of made a really interesting choice and why I started buying them was for that reason only. Cause uh, I remember throwing my original chatterbait and I'm like, there was times where that thing that start up for like halfway through the retrieve, you know, like if you slowed down, it would stop. If you, if you sped up, it seemed to get out of whack a little bit. Like you had to find a sweet spot and with the jackhammer, if you're just reeling, whether it's fast or slow, it's it's usually vibrating unless it's got something stuck on it. So, yeah. And like I said, I think I don't know if I even um, finished what I was saying about going Sorry. to catch. And I'm not I'm not promoting. No, no, no. It was just you. I think I I, I kind of come myself out of that uh, sentence. I'm not promoting Kachiko. What I did is I went to Kachiko and I figured I run through a lot of jackhammers. So if I can get in my Kachiko, which is like three or four dollars cheaper. Yeah. Then buying it uh, at a local tackle shop, then to me, I was like, yeah, the way I mean, I bought it by a by the time I the the memberships over by year, I probably save forty dollars. And there's other stuff you can get a lot cheaper too. So that's if you want to get it cheaper, that might be an option. Keep in mind, it's like a forty dollar membership. So yeah, you can you get them price up front. You can get them through uh, the JDM market, the Japanese market. Um, yeah. for a significant amount of less too. I tried to look at it and I kind of didn't understand what I was looking at. So, but, um, if I remember correctly, Dustin, he was ordering them like that. And he was like, he was like, it's, it's a, you know, like four or $5 cheaper. Like you were saying, like it was a significant amount. The only problem with that is, you know, especially last year with, with the way COVID was where the yeah. supply chains were so messed up. If you ordered those, it could be probably months before you would actually receive them because of how behind all the shipping containers are so yeah i even went to like uh my local taco shops kayak shops bass pro they were all ran out of uh jackhammers even oh, yeah. i'm like yeah field and stream had ordered them sold out of them last year and i went in to buy them and they're like we've sold out and we have no idea when we're going to get new ones yeah I was like, all right. <laughs> so, Seems like that's a trend on on going through everything, man. But well, anyways, yeah. we'll see. Cool. But okay, so let's see what other we talked about. Uh, let's talk about the motor guide because you and you had the the people from uh, Motor Guide on your show, mm -hmm. and you've I don't know you don't own a motor guide, but you've used them and you have friends who use them. Or your opinion, game changer or hype? What do you like about it? Is it worth the price? <laughs> Um, it's a relatively cheaper, um, trolley motor in regards to what you can get. Um, I mean, you're looking at a, around a $1,200 price tag with the, the GPS pinpoint. Um, I think it's, I think it's a game changer. I think it's, it's great for, I think it's, I mean, uh, that, um, a trolling motor has been around for a long time, and uh, there's so many obvious like benefits of having one, where you can cover water, you can pinpoint where you're at and fish a spot without having to anchor, which is something I despise doing in a kayak. Yeah. So that's where it, it shines, in my opinion in comparison of like your outboard style motors, like a Torquedo or a Bixby or whatever, um, is the fact that you can anchor up and do that and, you know, stay on a spot or you can set the speed real low, put a heading setter sent on it and just go and fish a bank and keep moving instead of there's nothing I hate more than being in a kayak 
hitting a spot, catching a fish, fishing it, and then realizing, all right, I, I got to move on and then pulling your anchor. You know, just it's so much yeah. wasted time, especially if you're in the tournament scene. Um, it's, you know, that's, that's a game changer. That's a game changer, especially for tournament anglers. Um, I think that the price tag is not bad on a motor guide in comparison to what Torquedo or, I mean, a Bixby's comparable to it, you know, but there's a lot of stuff that you have to buy to put those outboards, you know, those mm-hmm. motors on that you don't have to do necessarily with a, um, you know, as far as like the steering type of stuff, you know what I mean? Like if you're going to go and you're going to get the pinpoint GPS, you're going to have a handheld remote where you can control it that way. I've heard of guys even mounting the foot pedal style in their kayaks, you know, that, that type of thing. So when you get a Torquedo, there goes, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it as far as getting steering cables and this and that. And if you're going to do hand steering, you got a throttle control, you you know what I mean? There's just a lot, a lot of stuff to kind of go into it. Um, but at the same time, the cost of those has the battery in it, you know, those outboard style, like the Bixby and the Torquedo. So when you do add the cost of the battery to the XI3 for motor guide, you are getting up there pretty close to what you could get a Torquedo potentially for, especially if it's used. I mean, the new 1103 is pretty high up there. You're looking around $3,000 and then whatever kind of steering stuff you need to try to get for it. But um, and Bixby is around 1100, I think, and that still needs uh, the mount and the steering stuff put on it too. So um, the Bixby's around a, you know, an 1100 with with the just the motor and the battery. And like I said, you have to buy probably like 500 extra dollars worth of stuff or close to it, possibly. But I think it's a great thing. Um, the thing that impressed me about motor guide and XI three was they saw the market for, you know, what people were doing with it and they were buying them and they were cutting down the shafts and they were like, you know what, let's just go ahead and make the 36 inch shaft. And I love that about companies. I love companies that are in the fishing industry that see the growth in the kayak industry. And then they try to get their piece in there. And that was a great idea because every time you cut that stupid shaft down, you void your warranty. So they were like, we don't, you know, we don't want guys who want to buy our motors not able to take advantage of that, you know. Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. That's a good point. Yeah, and then when you see stuff like that, you, you kind of, appreciate it because it tells it shows that they're listening you know to to kind of to their buyers you know to 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 the people that love this sport and that's always good when you get some big company to kind of listen to what you want and then come through with it you you always want to support that now i haven't i haven't used a motor i'm not against motors um i just like the exercise of it i'm not yeah. this old purist like oh no motors are the devil they should be bad no if you want to have a motor on your kayak by all means have it i know um uh, you know and it depends you know if you're going out fishing i know guys that go fishing because they want to feed their families um uh, that's one way to do it. and if a motor helps you go ahead i mean you're doing it for a different reason than a tournament angler does it or yeah. somebody that's just a weekend warrior that just want to have fun with the kids and the family i personally can't comment on whether it's great or bad i do think though that they have their place in in the sport um and uh and in the water like when you're talking about and talking about specifically tournaments, right? When we're talking about uh, fishing like the Bass Masters at Lake Fork, which was on spawning, um, the guys that won the first place and second place, they were both on outback. Um, and I think both, I know the first place, uh, he didn't um, have a motor on his. And I think the guy in second place didn't have either. Um, a lot of guys did. But the problem was, it's like, well, you have this motor and now you're kind of, obligated yeah you, you spend this amount amount this amount of money to have spot lock and what are you going to do beat the banks i mean right. what's the point there so yep. you see that it has its place but it's not 
and it's not a Swiss army knife. It's not going to solve all your kayak fishing needs yeah. because it shines when it's summer or winter and the fish, the bass are moving out of shallow water and moving into deeper water yeah. where maybe you on a like, I know Brad Hicks does it a lot when you on a river and the, you're fighting the current, it shines there. But when you're fishing for spawning bass, it's not, it's not going to help you much. Because nope. what are you going to do? Use it in two foot of water? It's not yeah. really ideal. And you don't need it, really. You're probably making more noise and stirring up more water than you need to. Um, so it has its place. But And with it, I mean, having that advantage of spot lock and holding on to a spot, like you said, not having to. I used to anchor in it. I got used to it. But, yeah, I can. Yeah, it gets you get tired of it. I just actually installed the anchor trolling on my Hobie PA. And I was kind of delaying it because I hate to use it, but at some time summer is coming up. And I know sometimes when it gets windy, you know, it's worth the aggravation of throwing an anchor and, you know, yeah. bringing it back up with, with your anchor wizard. Because, well, if it's windy and the bass are out there on deep, then it's worth it. But yeah, it's not yeah. fun at all. No. Spend a lot and of it's time. like, especially if, if you're following bass, you're following bait, you know, yeah. and you're like, man, everything's moving nothing's staying stationary for you so it's like that's where you know that motor can kind of help because it's just gonna speed you up you know and yeah. that's why i kind of say like if you're just fish you know fishing for fun it may not necessarily be that big of a deal to you but if you're fishing a tournament and you need to cover water uh that trolling motor is going to do good but i also i'm a big believer in like the way the torquedo and bixby set up those are kind of more for covering water in regards to getting from spot to spot um, I mean, you can kind of ru run them in a sense, almost like a trolling motor, especially if you do foot control steering, you mm -hmm. can set that on a low speed and fight the wind and use your feet to steer, you know? Um, and then that way you can kind of gauge, you know, Hey, I'm, I, I can sit here in this 10, 15 mile per hour wind facing it, you know, and if I've got control with my feet, I can still fish hands free at that point. I think that's the biggest thing with, with, motors especially with the trolling motor is the ability to be hands-free and to keep fishing you know anytime you're in a tournament the more cash you have the more you know chances you have to catch a nose fish and so you know that's going to help if you're spending five ten minutes you know per spot worrying about your anchor and pulling your anchor up and do you have enough line out am i drifting still is the wind blowing me side to side to side and you know, I'm losing that angle I need to cast at a particular area. It can get frustrating over time. But to mention one thing that I've heard recently about the motor guide, I'm going to point out a couple cons that I've learned of recently. Uh, Brad has one and Brad's mo. We think that it's his remote, but I don't know that he's hundred percent sure, but he thinks it's a remote. His, uh, trolling motor, which is, this is a little on the dangerous side, is just taking off on its own. He'll be in a spot, locked up, and then the motor just accelerates and takes off. And usually it's in a straight line, but he says it has turned on him a couple times as well. And so if you're not ready for something like that, it's going to, it has the potential to toss you out of that kayak. Um, I watched him do it, I don't know, six or seven times on the river on Sunday. And it got to the point he got so frustrated, he just pulled it out of the water and stopped using it. Um, so that is something to be weary of. Um, I do know that the the motor guide also was having some issues with their plugs. Um, and if you listen to our podcast with motor guide with Shane Lamont, he's one of the pro staffers for them. He made a suggestion to everybody to change out the plugs. And I can't remember the brand name that he pointed out. But he said he's had everybody's having a lot of success, but these plugs are getting burnt up and melting and stuff. So those are two pretty kind of heavy duty issues. Um, but Brad's remote issue, we think, might be because um, one of the last times he was out, he was out in a downpour and those remotes aren't waterproof, which blows my mind. Anything yeah. that's fishing related that is not waterproof makes no sense to me at this point. So. I mean, I get it. There's going to be some stuff you don't waterproof, but like the fact that we still have, you know, dry hatches on kayaks that aren't really waterproof just blows my mind. I don't understand how 
that's not up on a priority list, you know? I mean, there's no reason to, you know, you know that these things are getting used in tournaments and stuff like that. Like, obviously, for fun fishing, you can get out of the rain. I don't, I don't mind fishing in the rain for the most part. Uh, my kayak's not the best one to do it in because it's not a sit on top and it doesn't have scupper plugs, so it can fill with water. But if you're in a tournament you and it's just raining, you still have a tournament to do. They don't shut down the tournament because of rain. So if your stuff stops working, that's just that's no good. And I just don't understand why that remote would not be waterproof right off the bat. So. Yeah, it's uh, it's boggles the mind. <laughs> I mean, there's ways to make it uh, waterproof. I mean, and I understand maybe there's a cost involved, and maybe that cost of making it waterproof is gonna put it at a price point where it's not gonna be attractive anymore to buy. So you give you know it's a lot of give and take. Um, yeah, but here's it. a th here's a thing that I I see in that. Okay, like that's great. But then these are the people that also call or write to these companies complaining and bashing them online. And this goes both ways for the consumer and for the company. The company ends up doing something crazy like replacing hundreds and hundreds of these remotes. So if they would have just built it right the first time, they would probably possibly save money. You know what I mean? Instead of hmm. sending out product, then that just gets turned back in or you know gets and it just makes no sense and then you've got the people who are getting it and they're just complaining about it and it's like okay well how valuable is your time would you have spent the extra 50 dollars if that remote was made to be waterproof and that would have i would you know what i mean I, i'm a big believer i'll spend the extra money if i know i've got something rock solid in my hand and that i know that i don't have to turn around and send back wait around lose time with that motor or whatever you know what i mean it's just that to me, time is money, no matter whose time it is, whether it's the company's or yours. So that that's why I always kind of get frustrated with some things to that nature. Not with motor guys specifically, just in general. And in, in being a consumer, you know, you you buy products or you get a service done, and you're like, "We're I'm wasting my time. You're wasting your time," and that means everybody's losing money in the end. You know, that's a good point. All right. Uh, another one that I wanted to talk about, and granted, um, both Josh and I haven't tried this, but we kind of um, saw this. And I'm throwing a curveball here, Josh, because he didn't know I was coming up with this one. <laughs> but the new Mobi uh, um, links. I wanted to touch a little bit on that because when it came out, I thought, okay, this could be a game changer. Because me myself, like I have two kayaks now. And I really wanted, I have the Outback and the PA360. And I really thought, you know, I could sell the Outback and try to get something like a kayak for my wife, um, but also a river kayak. But when I'm on, on the water, I, my wife just is the 360. I told her, take the 360. You're going to be safer in there. You're going to feel safer in there. It's a lot more stable, you know. And if you get tired of pedaling, because it's a lot harder to pedal on the PA360 than it's on an Outback, we'll switch out. But for the most part, she uses that one. So I figured, okay, I'll I'll get the Outback. I'll sell the Outback and see about getting a river kayak. And I was looking at the Bonafides and the Jacksons. And then I saw the video of the Outback for the Outback, the Hobie Lynx. And I thought, okay, this is what I'm looking for, because I'm looking for a light boat that I can take on creeks and rivers where it's really shallow and I there's no boat ramps. There's a bunch of uh, spots over here that I would love to take either my Outback or my PA360, but unless the water is flooded, the river is flooded, there's no way I can get, you know, all that, that big of equipment down whatever place, that spot that I can. So I thought, yeah. okay, it would be perfect. The price point though. I thought, okay, if I sell my Outback, you know, I'll sell it. It's brand new haul because they got to replace. I can sell it for like twenty, like two thousand, twenty five hundred, somewhere in between. I hadn't looked at the links price when I saw it, it was twenty six hundred. That's when it went from this is no longer game changer. This is just hype. Yeah, I love Hobie. I'm a huge Hobie fanboy. I love my Outback. I love my PA three sixty, and we'll get into PA three sixty later. But twenty six hundred dollars. 
for that little thing. I understand it has the kickoff fence. I understand um, it's, you know, you can you can go shallow, relatively shallow, not as shallow as if you're going on a paddleboard on a Bonafide or a, yeah. or a Jackson Cusa. That is way, way too expensive, in my opinion, especially yeah. if the material has been used. Have you seen it? What are your thoughts on it? I've seen it. Um, there's a guy local that we're doing an episode with um, tomorrow, which will air next oh, really? Thursday. Yeah. Um, he's one of the guys that he fishes out of the Strictly Sale guys. Um, I don't know if he's on the team or not, but he just he does a lot of promoting stuff. His name is John Graves. And oh, yeah. he, he got his hands on one, and he was he's been – he loves it. But he's a, he's a big Hobie fan, though, too. So – he likes it. He's um, been using it. He really digs it because the mobility of it. Um, I think that's where that boat's going to sell the best is for those d- diehard Hobie guys that want the option to have their pedal drives and fish rivers and that sort of thing. And they love it because it's lightweight. Um, do I think that it's worth the price tag? I don't know, man. To be honest with you, most of the kayak fishing stuff I don't think lives up to the, what the price tags are on them, and that includes like my Jacksons and you know other kayak stuff out there. I think a lot of it can be overpriced, um, but it's it's a cool concept. I just I don't know. Like the thing with Hobie is is that um, they put in a lot of innovation within their drive system itself. I don't think that you see their actual kayaks evolve as much. Uh, the, the kayak, you know, the hull itself mm. um, change drastically. And maybe like the designs of stuff that they bring out isn't like kind of off the wall. The links just kind of seems like a paddleboard with the drive system in it. Yeah. Just a smaller, a smaller one, you know? So <laughs> to be honest with you, I couldn't, say that i think that it is worth the money um i think it's a cool concept it's um it's i know i know a few guys that are going to love it because they use it they take their hobies in the river and you're looking at pa 12s and pa 14s and i just cringe watching them try to get their stuff down to the water and i feel bad for them and they're like you want to help me and i'm like not really but i will (laughs) you know and then everybody's trying to pack up like we dead a river float and you can't because dudes are rolling around with PA 14s and you're like, everybody, you know, this is a, this is a, this is a kayak that rolls solo. You know, you put this thing in the bed of your truck, you ain't put much anything else in there. Yeah. And you got three or four guys and you're like, it's just impossible unless you're carrying a big trailer. So th- that's what makes the links attractive, especially for guys that I know that are into the rivers and stuff like that. So a much, much smaller profile, much more manageable, not nearly as heavy. Um, <clears throat> the thing that I kind of, I'm just weary about this stuff in general, just from being a kayaker, but and being a river guy is I always have the fear of losing gear because time yeah. after time you hear about this stuff and that boat has that paddleboard feel on the top of it. So that's kind of where I, I, you know, I haven't looked at it. I haven't seen it in person I, just from video and stuff like that. So that's something I would be kind of scared of is, you know, how easy is this thing going to be to lose stuff off the deck? It looks really good and stable though. Like I saw John Graves do some crazy stuff on the deck. He was retrieving a lure and he was on the front of the boat, like totally like shoulder in the water. And that boat didn't look like it was trying to tip on him at all. So it'll be interesting to get around some people and have them, you know, test it out. Like I said, we're going to interview John and get his opinion on it um tomorrow and uh, that will air next week and so it'll be interesting to see what he has to say about it you know um but i do know he's a big hobie guy so i don't think he's going to have too much negativity in regards to it so yeah um it's like i said it's i'm I'm, i love hobies um i don't know how much is too much as far as their models like i like they got the compass they got the passport which I'm like, I can't even tell the difference between those two. Um, they have the Outback, which is 12 feet. Then I have the PA-12, which I don't really understand why they have a PA-12 and an Outback that's 12 feet. Like, 
I would figure they would just have the PA14 and that's it. But hey, I mean, who am I to tell Hobie what to do? They know how to run their business. Most popular kayak out there, most selling uh, uh, kayak company out there. So yeah. they obviously know a lot more than I do. I just I don't understand how much, how many of those products out there. And they're really putting all their eggs in their basket as they should with that pedal drive. Because yeah. it really is. It, they got a patent on it. Obviously, patents, patents expire, and that's where you see Vibe coming up with it. So then Hobie has to, you know, a lot of that technology, they have to hold back to keep patents on what they have. You know, they could have come out with the kickoff things a lot more, but they're going to hold off to it until the patent for the turbo fin goes out because now mm -hmm. they have a patent on this and the same thing is going to be the 360 and whatever comes next and they really you know please really play that card well because there's yeah. there's not a pedal drive out there they can compare to a regardless of the price point i'm not talking about price point everybody can make up their mind whether the five thousand dollars is worth it or not yeah if we're not looking at prices there's nothing out there pedal or paddle drive not counting motors they can compare to a to to the 360 it's it just isn't it just yeah, isn't. i mean that and f i've talked to i can't remember who we talked to about the 360 drive but that the technology has been going into the hobie pedal drives for from the start from what i understand is usually taking years for them to figure out like they said i think if i remember correctly it took them five plus years to figure out how to do the 360 drive <laughs> like so like it it took them a while to it, it took them a while to engineer it now mind you you're making a great point though that they may have had it though for a couple yeah. of years and we're like let's not release this until this patent gets ready to yeah. drop and then we'll release it yes i think both i think both things go hand in hand the hobie pedal drives and this isn't and by the way like hobie pedal drives whether you're looking at jackson's or whatever everybody loves to bash the jackson you know drive yes yeah, that that first first year and a half two years and people are still having problems with them uh, people are still having problems with the hobie 360 drive you know it's it's out there i know it is i see it all the time um but i, I don't hold it against them by any means it's it's a thing that's going to happen with anything you're going to get manufacturing defects and especially when you have something that's new and it's been tested, but has it really been tested is always a big question. Like, is it just being tested by a guy who takes it out a couple of times and then he turns back the prototype back to the shop versus a guy or girl who's fishing on the regular, you know, three times a week, they're out for hours, you know, and they're just, that thing heats up and they're just pounding away and they're in, deep water, shallow water, they're running into stuff, you know, this, this stuff breaks, mm. you know, nothing is bulletproof. And so hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt, whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load without the right boots. You could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge at Midway USA. We make selecting boots for your next hunt easier with just a few clicks of a mouse. You can decide on what's important like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. You know, I, that's why I'm always kind of like, you know, where you, it's like you said, do you want to spend the five grand on this technology? You know what I mean? Or are you comfortable with just paddling a kayak around? You know, um, I think there's a time and a place for everything. Um, I'm also big, like we've, I've mentioned, and I'm going to keep mentioning it. There's a lot of this stuff I do think is overpriced, but it's overpriced for a reason. And it's because we buy it. If we keep yep. continuing to buy it, it's going to be like that. Hobie's smart. They're like, their kayaks are on the expensive side. Well, they keep selling them. You know, they make, they make rock solid kayaks. You know, they have, um, a lot of technology that people wish their companies were, <laughs> were coming yeah. out with, you know? I mean, I've been in, I've been in, in a Jackson big rig and I love that kayak and I know the drive system sucks in it. You know, like I hopefully we'll keep seeing that improve just like any of this stuff gets improved. The more input, just the key is, is, it, is that company going to be receptive to the input and the negativity that they might receive on a product that's not doing the best 
can they make those changes? You know, because I dig, I really liked the the um, the system of what Jackson was thinking about because they were making a system and they were like, we want a propeller system, but we want this thing to be able to kick back up if you go over something. And that daggerboard system is awesome for that, man. I ran over stuff and I was like, dude, it just pops right back up. No problems. But, you know, it's really, really engineered hardcore. You know, a buddy of mine took one apart and he was like, it's so over engineered. It's insane. Like, you know, and you've got a company like Old Town, though. Their pedal drives are are solid, man. They've got a great warranty on them. And everybody that's been in an Old Town has been like, dude, I love this pedal drive. They've also been doing it for a long time, though, too. You know, when Jackson did it, they were late to the game. You know, just about every manufacturer had a pedal drive except for Jackson at that time. There might have been one or two other ones like Bonafide and somebody else. But Crescent. Yeah. Well, Crescent wasn't even out yet, I don't think, when they made that first round of FDs for the Jacksons. And so it's – I don't know, man. <laughs> it's – the link, so I think it's got its place. Um, I don't know that it's that exciting to me personally. Um, we're talking about the P360? The the 360? No, the Hobie links. Oh, the links. Okay, we're back. Yeah, yeah. Well, go back to what we were talking about. Sorry, we kind of got off topic. No, no, no. Yeah, it's good. But, yeah, I think that – I don't know that – it's it's a little hype to me. Um, I think yep. that it's a cool idea, though. Um, I just – I don't think it's really that, that exciting um overall like it's just a different kind of platform they stuck their drive in you know but i like to see that from hobie because for a long time it wasn't like that you know they weren't coming out with like a new design hull different kind of kayaks like that you had like kind of like smaller or bigger versions of the same kayak like you have a pa12 pa14 you have an outback and a compass compass like almost like a small outback in a way you know and then you got the passport and then so th- th- it was kind of refreshing just to see a new hull design and a new like platform like that for sure. Yeah, and I think um, again, I think it's hype too because it's really it's really like four hundred dollars less than an Outback, but you're very limited. I want to say not limited because you can take it in some places where you depending on the water access that you have that might be harder to take. Um, uh, an Outback or PA360, but at the same time, I mean, open water on a lake, that I don't care how how stable that is. That ain't going to be fun. If you're yeah. stuck, uh, you know, and all of a sudden you get hit by um, high winds or storm or something, but pray to God you make an sure because I, I don't care how stable that is. Don't tell me that's going to hold up that well. So it has its limitations. Yeah. Now, Segue into this, let's talk a little bit about the, the PA360. Now, I own one, and I'm going to be honest with you. I think it's a game changer, and I'm going to start off with this one because this is why I bought it. I realize it's expensive. It's I had a Hobie Outback. I have a Hobie Outback, and it, that was – actually, I got the demo, so that was 2500 But the sticker price is like – retail price is like $3,000, the Outback 360 is $2,000 more. So you can really get two kayaks or three kayaks, depending which one, um, for the price of a Hobie Outback 360. Why I think it's a game changer, because there's really nothing out there, again, that can compare to that as far as kayak goes. We're not talking about motors. I'm not saying that if you're on a bonafide uh, with a spotlight, you're in a better position. That's fine. But we're not talking about that. I'll give you that. that that's awesome. That That's taking it to another level. But we're not talking about motors now. We're talking strictly about kayaks. Mm-hmm. And there's no kayak out there that can do that. Um, my big thing I got it, it was like, well, I wanted to put, to improve my game, I wanted to a place where I can put my rods horizontal it says instead of vertically just sticking out there's i broke so many rods and wasted so much time trying to untangle rods because i'm trying to get to this spot and i forget i have a rod in this low hanging branch or tree or low hanging bridge and i break them i tangle them and i got tired of it i found a lot of tournaments that i was like i wish i can hold that spot but i either gonna have to sacrifice how many rods I take with me or I'm just going to have to find another spot or waste a bunch of time trying to take him out of the back, put him in front of me, pedal, try to get to my spot and then put him back on. 
So that was my main reason why I wanted to change out of the Outback. I love my Outback. It's probably the best designed Outback, um, kayak out there. Talking about mm -hmm. the Outback. Just so, so angler friendly in so many features. But that that thing, that design by the PA360, even though I don't like the deck design as much, I love the fact that it had that horizontal storage. So, or I'm sorry, vertical storage. Is that what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, oh, hor hor yeah, horizontal, horizontal storage. There we go. So, the 360 was kind of like, okay, well, if I'm going to buy it, I'm going to go with the 360. And it saved you so much time on the water. If I, the way that I like to fish, I like to go into deep creeks um, and rivers where you have access from the boat ramp. Mm -hmm. So being able to have those kick-up fins and maneuver on, I mean, I've been on, on, on creeks that I can barely touch both sides of the bank and I can still turn my PA360 um, around with little to no effort. You yeah. pull up the skeg, you pull up the rudder, and you turn that thing to the side, and it'll turn on itself. That's a big plus. Not having to, when you have like uh, an Outback or any other pedal drive uh, kayak out there, there's, you have to make like a U-turn. Where in this case, if you, another thing that happens when you go into deep creeks, you're bound to get hung up on low branches or grass or riprap. Being able to just point your pedal drive and beeline it directly to where your bait is stuck it's a major plus it change it, it opens to me my style of fishing it opened the door to me to open uh areas that i've always wanted to fish but i didn't want to go through the hassle of it right. and it makes it quicker to retrieve your baits to move around and it does show up to me, it does show in the results. When I fish on tournament, I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't have gotten to this spot. Plus, the added fact that that thing, which surprised, blew my mind. I did not realize how fast that thing can pedal. It is extremely fast. It's a little heavy. It gets you tired quickly, but it goes really, really fast. So in my opinion, I do believe it's a game changer, even though it's price point, just because there's nothing out there. Yeah. What about you? Um, yeah, it's definitely a game changer. Um, I, I think the fact that they were able to figure out something to make a heavy, big fishing kayak maneuverable like that is what the key was to the whole thing. And then, then they did add some design features within the hull itself that really stood out. Um, I, I've always been really impressed with the, cause I don't, I've never been in a 360 but i've seen a few of my buddies have them and what they can do versus what i could do in like a big rig um was just night and day difference um they the whole pa 14 360 platform is so angler friendly it's unreal like it is set up for fishing any lake you want to like you know it's a boat that you can get out on big water and feel comfortable on um, the things like the, um, system that they use for your, um, uh, why did I just forget it for your, uh, for your fish finder and stuff like that for the transducer. That's awesome. You know, that's the thing that people kind of get frustrated with was having the arms over the sides of their kayaks, that sort of thing. And having side view, you know, and now they have a system where it can drop down and pull back up a little bit. That's awesome. Um, the 360 drive itself, the whole concept of that is just, it's, huge it's a huge improvement that all kayak anglers wanted we wanted to be able to slip in and out fairly easy within bank lines and that sort of thing you know you don't and with like say like for me it would just be a comparison of this say my buddy mike comes up to a spot he can paddle into it fish and if he needs to make adjustment because the wind is blowing him close to the bank he's just kicking and it's moving sideways as to where i have to circle back out of the spot and come back mm -hmm. and make this that's just a big giant waste of time and a lot of pedal drives man it it takes you know so they all vary obviously some are going to be turning wider than others but the fact that three that hobie made that 360 driving gives you the option to move pretty much in any angle that you need to and you're not having to move out of the exact spot that you're in you know you're you can just make small minute adjustments and keep fishing, you know? 
So it, it was definitely a game changer. I remember seeing the video that they made where it looked like synchronized swimming, whether, you know, oh, there's yeah. like three of them all next to each other. And I was just like, dude, that is awesome. I was like, you know, and, and to be honest, like you you kind of look at how these other systems are and you're like, I don't know how they would be able to do this without having the fin technology about it. Yeah. You know, that's the thing that makes it able to do that is Hobie's original drive system the way it was set up looks so weird. You're like, you've got these fins and you know, you're like, it, it was just, it's so different than what everybody else ended up coming up with. You know, they were, they thought outside the box. It wasn't, Hey, let's design this after what boats use a boat motor. And you know, we don't, we're going to build something that's not a prop, you know, and with the, and it's evolved. Like you said, you've got, you've got, you've went from having the original Hobie drive system and it, it added the 180 system and then kick up fins and then this, and now it's the 360 drive, you know, and it's like, they've constantly keep innovating that drive system, you know? Um, and when they came out the 360, everybody was just, yep, gotta have it, gotta have it. I mean, I knew people that were in other brands forever. And when that 360 drive, came aboard they jumped ship and went over to hobie because they solved a problem that everybody had been complaining about having issues about when it came to kayak fishing yeah that's true so it's it's i think it's a game changer again whether you want to spend five thousand uh dollars on it it's it's another matter if you can't afford it then it's definitely not worth it you i know, think what i'd thing. like to see dude the most now from them is if they started adding that drive to all their lineup you know that's interesting i don't know if they can well they're not gonna add it to the links i'll think probably tip over or something because it <laughs> i mean it's i don't know it, it it's heavy though the drive is yeah. heavy um i don't think i i don't think if you can put that on an outback I can see how you eventually an outback would be crack. awesome. It now, would be. <laughs> I, I, they would have to redesign a little bit of the hull because I think that thing will you will crack the hole really with that that outback. It's a lot heavier. Yeah. Um, a lot have been said about the drive. I've only used it for a while. I use it like two or three times a week. I've had it for uh, what is it three months. Uh, I haven't had a problem with the drive. I think a lot of people. Well, first of all. From what I understand, the drive, when it first came out, the first generation was, I think, like plastic bearings. Since yeah. then, from what I've been told by the kayak shop, is their um, metal bearings. The one that I got, which is more like a second generation drive, does come with um, metal bearings. If you have the plastic bearings and you break it, they will replace them it's along, as long as it's on warranty, which it should. Because yeah. I don't, you know, I think it's only been out two years in the warranty. I think it's three years, something like that. Oh, I'm not sure. But knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. They'll replace it with the middle ones. I think that really solved like 90% of the issues with the drive. There's always going to be defects, and a lot of it is like, what is a person putting it through? Like, if, if you're talking about a kayak angler that's on... Baffin Bay in Corpus Christi with a super saline water and rubbing it against um, shallow oyster beds. I don't care what drive you have. That thing is going to break eventually. Yeah, <laughs> It's going to break before the warranty is over. If we're talking about that, I know I saw a video of a guy that uh, that had to complain about it. But uh, same thing. He fished on salt water, super saline salt water. Oyster beds. So I'm like, yeah, it's going to break. It's That's not a fair adjustment. If anything you put through that grinder, it's going to break, yeah. especially with that so high content of uh, salt water and sulfide. Yeah. A lot of things, I, I think a lot of people make mistakes. And I come from a uh, mountain bike background, meaning that I before I started kayak fishing, I did a lot of mountain biking. One of the things that I learned about mountain biking is a lot of people would use this like WD-40 um 
to clean out the gears on the on the um, pedals and on the derailers. That's a big no-no. I, I know people that actually do that with the Hobie 360. The problem with that is you don't pressure wash them and you don't use products like WD-40 because what it does that dissolves not only the rust, which it's not going to have rust, but it dissolves the um, grease and the oils that are meant to be there to lube it, to lubricate it. If you start cleaning it with products like that, you're going to run off the grease that's there the loops that there and it's gonna and eventually it's gonna break if you pressure wash them it's the same thing as with the mountain bike you don't pressure wash it it is not meant because now you're getting moisture into those deep seals where moisture is not supposed to be you're also washing away some of the grease that's meant to be there so if you are considering or if you have a hobby or any drive don't use those type of products. They're not meant for that. Do not pressure wash them. I know guys that do that and then they complain that it's not working. It's not working because you're not giving the right maintenance. You're over cleaning it. Yeah. Just read the manufacturers, go to the hobby forums and ask them, what products should I use? How should I clean it? And they'll give you a straight answer, better answer than I can give you. But just be mindful of how you're cleaning it. There is such a thing as over maintenance. And I see a lot of guys doing it. Yeah, uh, power washing, anything mechanical like that's usually on the bad side. I came, yeah. I used to ride motocross back in the day. And I don't know if you remember this, Armando, but do you remember, you know, how motocross has the shocks up front and you yeah. got the big fork shots? And back in the day, they used to put those tubes around them. Uh, that was like a collapsible style, like accordion looking yeah. tubing over your fork. And they found out later that those things were worse um, than what they were originally made to do which was to protect it from dirt well when you're riding motocross dirt gets in there no matter what it doesn't no. they're they weren't blocking anything so what was happening was is that the dirt and stuff traps and stays in there and so when you go to wash it a lot of guys weren't taking it off because they were assuming that it was protected and there was actually stuff trapped in there well eventually they started removing those well then everybody was power washing their uh, their bikes also and so you hit motors with power washing. You can do it, and if you're safe with it. But one of the bad things was is when they would do their forks, and those forks have this seal that's on the top of it. And if you hit it at the right angle, you're going to shove water and debris down inside on the back side of those uh, inside of the uh, seal itself. And nine times out of ten, like within a month, you've got a leaky seal right there on your forks. So it makes sense, like you know it. it be gentle with it. If you're really trying to do a good job cleaning, then bust out stuff that you know isn't going to dissolve grease, but wash whatever you need to wash off. Most of the stuff you're going to have on a drive system that is in water is not going to be oil-based. You don't have to worry no. about it being like, you know, gunked up to where you need to use something that's going to dissolve oil. Like, you know, like a mild detergent. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't even trust using Dawn because of it, you know, because Dawn yeah. is such a good grease fighter. I, you might be able to do it just a little bit, but you know, it's, it's about wiping off some good fresh water and, you know, maybe a little bit of elbow grease, but you know, definitely, you know, you power blast that plastic all day long on the hull and everything. But when it comes to the things that are mechanical, definitely don't use power washers on them. Definitely not. Well, Josh, thank you so much for coming on to the show. I really appreciate it. I've had you here for almost an hour. So I know you're a family, man. You got your kids. So thank you so much for joining us, man. It's a fun episode. Always honored to have you on the show. And looking not forward to the to the final cast, man. Next episode. That's gonna be exciting. Yeah. Next Which one next what week. What do you have? Yeah. Go ahead. Uh next no, no, week. Go ahead. We'll that be, was gonna ask. Yeah, next week it'll be a Hobie Links. This Thursday we have um actually i've got it sitting right here um the company is called atola and they sent us a uh, eyeglass you know or a sunglass retainer oh, yeah. system so it's something new something we hadn't done before so we were really excited to kind of do the episode and got to learn some stuff about it you know you can kind of hear my opinion about it because at first i was a little freaked out by it because i was like man that thing looks uncomfortable but it ended up not really being that bad at all. So it's kind of a cool episode to learn something that looks so simple and some of the stuff that they, um, you know, what they thought about and the testing and, 
you know, the product development, you know, what they had to put in and in regards to come up with something to see, you know, and so it's pretty cool and it's a good episode and uh, yeah, that'll be on this week. So. Perfect. And for those out there listening, you can check it out. You can go to our library and pedal and fin and look for the final cast. We have a bunch of product reviews. Uh, what's been your favorite product review that you've reviewed? Um, I don't really necessarily have a favorite product review. Um, there's guests that we have that come on that are, a, it's a fun time to talk to them. And, you know, especially when you know that they're super knowledgeable and what they're talking about. Um, one good one always is Glenn Young from Z-Man. He's always yep. a, a great interview. He's a, a really nice person. You know, he likes to joke around with me and Brad. He's gotten comfortable with us. And so, that's always a good one. And I don't know, man, I, there's times where, you know, sometimes I'm like, I, I don't know how the interview will go. And, you know, you get pleasantly surprised by, you know, certain people that you talk to. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm always, I always like, I really like people who are receptive to criticism. I don't like, I always get afraid to interview somebody and point out a con or an issue that I might see with the product and have the fear of them not reciprocating it very well you know what i mean like it just they might not receive it well they might get offended and i'm like it's not intent my our show is not intended to do that by any means we just like to give an honest unbiased opinion on stuff that we've tried or we get our hands on and then that way our listeners and you know the kayak industry or kayak community can form their own opinions about it you know it's like we were just talking about like uh, we talk about the hobie 360 and i have buddies that are hobie 360 guys and they will trash um the jackson kayak system chris anderson mike grimsley i'm gonna point them out <laughs> just because they're my buddies i love them that doesn't matter but uh they you know and they both had bad experiences with it and you know and but at the same time you know like i've talked about before i've seen the hobie 360 drives have their issues it doesn't matter to me really you know what i mean all this stuff here's the thing is nobody ever a lot of times you're not going to see the uproar unless it's negative <laughs> you know mm -hmm. like a lot of times if you're having a good time with your product you're just enjoying it and nine times out of ten you're really not saying much about it um you know, and that's what's cool about us having the podcast because we can. Yeah. We have kind of a voice for it. We can be like, hey, here's what we found about this, that, A, B, and C. You know, like whatever. But, um, you know, it's, it's, I'm a big believer that everything has its issues. Yeah. There's good and there's bad. It always will be like that, you know, and, Nine times out of 10, when you're reading something about it, a lot of times it tends to be on the negative side because that's the people who are going to speak up about it. And, yep. you know, whether or not you want to believe in what they're talking about is another thing, you know. Um, but, I mean, more the more people there are, though, then obviously you do start to see that there's an issue here or there. Um, you know, like when I we learned about the motor guide remote, you know, like that might be an issue because, we, you know, Brad's talk to a few people about it and they've been like yeah we i'm on my third or fourth remote and be like all right that might be something they need to take a look at then fixing you know mm. um but it is what it is it's not nothing new to the world of you know and you know industrial products you know you you make something and stuff's gonna break you know you what you thought worked it may not work, you know, for the long term. It might be a short term thing. So it's like the Hobie replacing those bearings. You know, it's something simple like that. Did they intend to use plastic? Probably. Why? They didn't want it to break, but they thought, hey, how can we save weight? You know, this thing is already heavy. You know, what do we have to really add metal bearings? First go around? No. Second go around? Yeah, we need to replace it because we are sending out these stupid things and we don't want to replace entire drive systems, you know, whatever. So, yep. you know, it is what it is, but I don't know. I like doing it. I like talking about the products. I have a good time doing it. I like to talk about kayak fishing. The only thing, the only, like, the only, I think, drawbacks you have to, you know, put up with Brad. But other than that, it's, I mean. <laughs> he grows on you like a, yeah. like, <laughs> like, like, a wart, like a wart you can't get rid of. 
<laughs> All jokes aside, Brad, just give him a little grief for not showing up, but we love well, Brad. He's Armando, thanks for having me on, man. Oh, I always man. enjoy my pleasure. It's my pleasure, man. And for those out there listening, if you made it this far, we really appreciate it. We thank you. Uh, be safe on the water. You know, as always, I always preach, stay, take the necessary precautions to, you know, make sure you get home to your loved one. Uh, congratulations to everybody that took part in the um, Hobie BOS. And uh, Brian Scarberry, I think, won the Hobie BOS. Um, and then the Bass Master uh, Kayak Series Classic. Um, Naming it right. It's coming next week. And uh, we may have an interesting episode, me and Brian Schuler, about that. But congratulations. Did you see the flooding they got today? Yeah, that's crazy. Well, I live right close to PK, and it's yeah. it's crazy, man. Today, though, I you know, today I was like, good Lord, the, like at 8 o'clock, the dark, the the clouds, the, the sky went so dark. I was like, is it night? What time is it? <laughs> it got really bad. It got really, really bad. So... Guys out there that are taking part in the on that tournament, please be safe, guys. You know, um, let's make sure everybody makes it home because it it is it's crazy. It, PK yeah. is really we we're getting really getting a downpour here in Texas. So hopefully by the time the tournament rolls around, um, you know, it'll be a little bit safer. But yeah. Well, thanks again. Yeah, Have a great bye. night, everyone. See ya. Peace. Miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts, every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors, every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.